Well, hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Revelation Wellness Podcast. My name is Elisa Keaton, the founder of Revelation Wellness, and I'm always so thrilled and honored to be with you and want you to know, if you participated with us in our most recent challenge, our 21 day sugar fast, thank you. Uh, because of you, we were able to give over $33,000 away to Feeding America. Um, because of COVID-19, there are more people and specifically children going hungry because they are not in school. And we were able to bring some, I hope some relief to that organization. So thank you for those of you who participated in the donate in the in the sugar fast with us. And now we want to let you know there are more challenges uh, to participate in. Swipe up on the show notes. We have more at-home faith and fitness challenges for you. So if you missed the sugar fast, you can go and find other ways to engage and challenge yourself, commit to something. Really, that's what it is. Challenge gets overused. What a challenge is, it's saying, I'm going to commit myself. I'm going to press into something not normally uh, my usual thing that I do for an X amount of time. Most of our challenges are anywhere from 21 to 30 days. They all have different aspects uh, to them, different things that they will train you in, knowledge, but all of them, all of them have one goal, that you would grow more in love with God, that you would know his love, that his love would love the hell out of you, and that you would be completely free stay free and then go and set others free. So swipe up on the show notes. We have our Couch to 5K program, our Core Focus program, Weight Loss God's Way, The Little Way. Grab a friend, do these challenges when the time is right for you. That's the thing. You also get the challenge and get to keep it. So I, I know we have so much going on here. We'd hate for you to not know, but always go to the website and look around peek around because we're always adding new things. All right. So today I love doing interviews with people. I, I really do. I love doing teachings with you, but I, right now there's a season of some great books and authors, people that are writing messages that if we believe it's something that would serve you, we just make it happen. And today you are going to hear from Nicole Zasowski. Everyone say that with me. She wrote the book from lost to found, giving up what you think you want for what will set you free. Uh, she shares her story of five miscarriages, five miscarriages. It's not just about the miscarriages, but that was kind of the breaking point for her where she had to really reckon with who is God to me? Am I seeking him as the gift or am I seeking him as the giver? Oof. And she said that, I wrote that down and said, yeah, how many of us are guilty of seeking God because we want what he has and not who he is? So her story is going to encourage you. She talks about how the enemy tries to bait us with this lie of comfortable, being comfortable without Christ. It's very subtle, but you know, here we are to help you get comfortable being uncomfortable. And we think Nicole's message is going to help you do that. So thanks for he being here each week, listening, sharing, leaving a podcast review. It helps us keep this thing moving along in iTunes for other people to find it. So thank you for everyone who leaves a review. And remember, if we read your review on the air, you might win a Love Greater Than Fear package. All right, guys. Thanks. Have a great day. We'll talk soon. Peace. All right, Revelation Wellness friends, excited to sit down and have conversation with a new friend, someone we thought you would quickly 
grow in friendship with as well. Her name is Nicole Zazowski. Everyone say it with us, Zazowski. That's a fun name to say. And she has authored, authored the book, From Lost to Found, Giving Up What You Think You Want for What Will Set You Free. Nicole, welcome to the Revelation Wellness Podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm sure. Are you busy doing all the talks in all the places? <laughs> it's been a full season for sure. It's looked a little different in 2020. Right. Um, 2021. Yeah. But uh, yes, both in my counseling practice and talking about the book, it's been really fun. Okay. So always have to ask the why. Why did you write this book? That's a really great question. As a marriage and family therapist, I have always had a passion of helping um, others find peace and joy outside of circumstance. Mm -hmm. And what I didn't realize for many years is that I was personally missing out on that peace and joy that I was so passionate about helping clients find. Um, You've heard the phrase, the cobbler has no shoes. That's a little bit how I was emotionally. Um, Mm -hmm. I was living in a very comfortable season where I just had no idea that I was investing my identity and sense of security in all of these things that I had added to Christ. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And it was, you know, I'm using air quotes here for the listener. It was working for me, Mm. Um, but I didn't realize that that um, comfort that I was living in was keeping me from living the fullest life possible and really thriving um, dependency on Christ. Yeah. Now, when, how long had your relationship with Christ been at the point, you know, you become a a therapist because you want to help people, such a good motive. Uh, was Christ prior to you becoming a therapist? To your yes, I was raised in a Christian home, okay. gave my life to Christ, put my trust in Jesus really early in life. Mm. Um, and then of course my faith grew and matured from there, um, but yeah. was supported by a community. I was really blessed growing up in that way. Um and inside my home, both my parents really loved and led in faith very well. Yeah. Um, and, and that's one of the sneaky things is yeah. that I thought, well, yeah, I, I love Jesus. I have put my trust in him. But when it came to my personal value and what made me feel safe, um, I was putting that in my own accomplishments, my own mm-hmm. per- and perfectionism mm. and my hard work. Um, and I didn't realize that I was missing out in a major. You said the word safe. Mm-hmm. As a therapist, would you explain that more for people? Because I don't really w- explain safety, a sense that's needed or the lack thereof. Yeah. The two things we need really for our survival, not just to thrive, but really to emotionally make it in life. Mm. Uh, we need love and we need trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, love is important because it tells us who we are. It speaks mm-hmm. to our identity. Mm-hmm. Um, trust is important because it speaks to whether or not we are safe. And mm-hmm. so when we say safe, a lot of us think physical safety, which is right. certainly part of it. Uh, but really what I'm talking about is more emotional safety. Um, can I, you know, what am I depending on? Um mm-hmm. And that's a little bit harder because as we know, 
especially <laughs> as the world is letting us know in this season, you know, life, yep. life is not always safe. Um, and yeah, really hard things happen, um, both on a micro level and a, and a macro level. Um, yeah. but to be able to know that we are not alone, um, that certainly yeah. we always have the comfort of Christ. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of us would say we have community and family as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and to know that while we don't have total control, we are empowered to make choices. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that, uh, and the third thing is when we go through something that maybe we wouldn't choose, we have the opportunity to grow through it, mm-hmm. um, that it can shape us in some really profound ways. And that's what, certainly my story taught me. Um, what did you put your safety in, your trust in? What were you putting it in prior to having this revelation of, wow, I'm really not as safe as I thought I was? Yeah. Uh, most of the words start with P for some reason. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, performance. Um, I thought mm. that if I could just dazzle people with how good I was at something, that I could feel secure and good about myself. Um, so I outworked um, mm. every opportunity I could. Mm. I uh, tried to be the most successful grad student I could be. I, I built a really successful practice very quickly. Mm. <laughs> um, tried to win the approval of mentors and professors that I deemed important. Um all to make me feel significant and um, secure in in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I describe it as the life that I could build with my own two hands. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no surrender in that. There was no wonder about mm-hmm. what could God do. That's um, so good. Yeah. There was just fear about what would happen if I let go. Um, and I'll be really honest with you. Please. <laughs> I'm not sure I ever would have made the choice to, to let go. Um, mm. But in God's graciousness, he used a season of profound change, pain, and loss yeah. to take to pry my fingers off of what was going to ultimately destroy me. Why is it? <laughs> That the freedom comes through much suffering or pain. Like, what is it when people are really ready to change when you've suffered enough and you've learned enough? And those two intersect, you've suffered and you know, then something, it's time. But that whole suffering thing, explain or go more into detail about a little bit of that time of your life, how deep, and, and even share story with people where God showed up in that suffering moment. Oh yeah, in so many ways. I um, I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation that that the life I was living before felt very comfortable, mm-hmm. and I used to think that the enemy worked in our lives, you know, only in a really obvious way, like a right. tat- as miserable in some way. And looking back on my life, I can't speak for everyone, um, but one of the ways he's worked most effectively is to actually make me comfortable without Christ. Um, and that to me, you know, I don't think God causes, he's not the author of our suffering. I don't think Mm -hmm. he is 
pain. I think that's the fruit of a broken world. Um, but in his graciousness, he's certainly not going to waste it either. And um, unexpectedly, to answer your question about the story, yeah, we moved across the country. Um, so from where I, to where? Uh, so we were in the LA area, Pasadena. And I see your you have a sweatshirt that says Pepperdine University. Yes. Did you go to Pepperdine? Did. My husband graduated in Pepperdine, got his really? MBA there. Yeah. Well, we, we moved to California. I lived in, do you familiar with Camarillo, California? Uh, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Down the grade there. Yeah. So he went to Pepperdine for a while. It's a great school. Well, it is. So my husband and I both did undergrad there and met, okay. met during our time there. Awesome. And then he actually did his MBA there as well. And okay. while I was at Fuller Seminary. Okay. Um, and so we, that's why we were in Pasadena is that's where Fuller is located. Um, and I loved Pasadena. It's I beautiful did. there. Yeah. It's such a quaint town. Yes. It was like small cool. town, great weather. Um, like I said, I had built this life that I was very proud mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly a major move. We moved to Connecticut. <laughs> wow. Like so, all the way other side. Wow. Yeah. Shift. The other corner, huge mm-hmm. shift, uh, culturally huge shift, weather wise, huge shift. <laughs> I'm already freezing in my I, bones. Yeah. I'm in Arizona. So I, when, when I married my husband, I took out the world map and showed him the places that I will be happiest that I know my body and my talk about, I might need to get with Jesus with that Remember, You tell people don't tell the Lord what you won't do because right. then here it comes. So yeah, y'all well, can pray. I, I'm I, freezing I, for you. Maybe I should have taken out a map. Maybe that would have worked. <laughs> um, but yeah, it could not be more different than what I used to. I was, I grew up in Seattle. So I was raised on the West coast, very used to that culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, the East Coast was very foreign to me, um, and and certainly, you know, something like the weather was also challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, but beyond that, and we knew no one in, mm-hmm. so it wasn't like we were moving into a ready-made community. We we had to start over. I had no job connections, mm-hmm. um, no prospects. Mm-hmm. Um, and so certainly the starting over and the getting settled and all the normal stress that comes with a cross country move was there, but it was also my first wake up call that, um, my identity and sense of security were in the wrong things because they were in all the things that I had to leave behind Yeah, and could not cross state lines with me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, you know, everything I had talked about earlier, my job, people's approval, my reputation Mm. couldn't come with me. Um, Mm. And it was then, so I had another layer of pain. Oh, I feel like a nobody Um, because Mm. everything that I had, that made me feel significant, I is no longer here Um, Mm -hmm. and and couldn't make the trip. (laughs) So... (laughs) It could only go as far as the California state exactly. border. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So, uh, and little did I know that was just the beginning of a season of lots of loss and heartache, um, yeah. some issues, lots of miscarriages, 
Um, and yeah, certain- five, five miscarriages, right? Five. I don't want to jump over that too much. Is that someone out there is listening and, and yeah. knows the grief of miscarriage, but one time I, I personally, I had a miscarriage one time, I'm but I sorry. can't imagine five, five times over were they back to back. So two were before my first son okay. um, and three were between my two boys. Mm. Um, and there, I mean, I never, I, I think if you have one, like that's a life, mm. you know, tragic and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, it, so it's not like insane that I have five. I want to minimize anybody who's had less, mm. um, Cause they're all devastating in different ways. And each one sort of landed on me differently. Um, yeah. There and were you certain- share that, you share that in the book. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but there is a cumulative effect. I felt a mm-hmm. little bit, I describe it being in a boxing ring and, you know, getting up the fifth time after the fifth blow was a little bit harder than, yeah. than the, um, mm-hmm. and, yeah. It, it, again, do I believe that God caused that? Absolutely not. Um, yeah. but, but did he use it? He did. And yeah. he, um, showed me a lot with that, my empty hands, um, the places that I had been failing to receive him, um, or missing out on receiving him into those places of my mm-hmm. heart, um, that I had previously, dependent on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the big things, one of my big takeaways was, you know, as wonderful as the gift was, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with longing for a baby or longing for healing, either mm-hmm. a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, those are good things to pray for and long for. Amen. Um, but even the best gifts in life, like a child, even the best gifts cannot capture the hope that the giver can, you know, our, our not in the gift itself, but in the giver of all gifts. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, if there's one takeaway from the book, if there's one takeaway from my story, yeah. I feel like that's what I have carried forward is this ability to, and I don't do this perfectly and there's more losses that I struggle to learn this again, but, um, just the fact that our, our hope is in the giver and not the gift itself. Sounds like that's something you return back to over and over for yourself. Yes. Right. It's like, was there a moment, was there a moment in time Okay, I, I'm kind of laughing going, oh, our stories are, are very similar. So <laughs> I, had to, I had to move to California to lose my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to move to California to get the most pain and suffering and mm-hmm. find out all the things that I had made my safety about, my, put, my, had put my trust in. And that's where Jesus found me and then began mm-hmm. to change everything, right? Move everything around. You get a real revelation of, of being loved and having ultimate security in him. Mm-hmm. So was there a moment for you? a moment that you had a, it was a, how did God speak to you? What did that moment look like when you shifted and now can say it's in the giver, not the gift? There were a few. The one that stands out as you ask that question is um, as a, as a therapist, I 
worked for a season um, at a place called the Hideaway Experience, which is a marriage intensive experience. So mm-hmm. it's four days with four to five couples in group therapy, mm-hmm. me and a therapist in one room for mm-hmm. four days. Um, so intensive is a good word it's for it. Appropriate, <laughs> yes. And day two of the intensive, which of course is the most challenging day, um, I was supposed to receive news from my doctor um, about whether a medical procedure related to our fertility had worked or not. Mm -hmm. And I'm in the middle of day two, I'm waiting in my room and I can hear the tears in my doctor's eyes as he said, no, it's, it's not going to work go further. Mm. Um, and this was Mm. after five miscarriages. So this was after the fifth one. Mm. Um, I Mm. did have one son, so I had the gift of that desperately wanted more children. Mm -hmm. Um, but the level of defeat and drain that I felt in that moment was really significant. Um, Mm. and I remember calling my mentor just kind of desperately on a whim. I was sobbing Mm -hmm. and it happened to be the week in Advent where the hope candle was lit. So it was the two or the, I guess the first Sunday of Advent and he had been reflecting on hope. Um, And said, you know, Nicole, as he was thinking and talking with his wife about it, he said, hope only gets deployed in times of struggle. And, you know, honestly, I'm not thankful for the struggle. I don't think God asked us to be. But I am really grateful to be a woman who knows hope. Um, Because we don't. We don't have that experience if there's no struggle or longing or Uh and and then that I realized okay I Mm. I want to have more curiosity and possibility and wonder amen yeah that's a turning point yeah about what God could do with my life rather than being so married to my vision that totally miss his provision in my life. Um, and I didn't want to miss it. I was done. I I had spent so many years grieving and, uh, doing everything I could. And I think that medical piece was that next layer of, Mm. uh, there's guarantee even with a brilliant doctor and, Mm -hmm. Know, throwing thousands of dollars at this problem <laughs> and wow. uh, that that was actually financially stressful at, in some seasons um like that was my last finger that was pried off of doing it my way and that was the moment you truly felt free isn't it i mean that's the subtitle of your book yep. giving up what you think you want for what will set you free yep Oh, it's so, it's, it's just so, 
like I said, empathizing for everyone because we're all going to struggle and we all know we really would love the comfort lane and mm-hmm. have a hard time with why does it have to be so struggle, you know, struggle bus. But I was mm-hmm. just reading today, I, I get really curious. I go in and out of these places of learning about neuroscience and things with the body and, and some of the emotional things we know about, you know, um, modulating emotions, all these things. I'm always looking into that, but it is proven <laughs> that well, one, we know we can change our brain, right? Neuroplasticity can happen. Like we can yep. literally be a different person than we ever thought we or told we were when we were younger, whatever that is. So we can rewire our brain, but there is no neuroplasticity without that feeling of attention and friction and um, mm-hmm. aggra- like agitation. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's that you have to get into the, uh, move past the agitation to actually for the neurogenesis, the neuroplasticity happen. That's why everyone, nobody wants the tension. Nobody wants the change. Nobody, everyone just wants it to come and be easy. Um, yeah. But it is that I think I, I'm hopeful for the church message because your, your book is, has Christ in it and points to Christ and, and glorifies in, in so many beautiful ways. That if the church could really, the believers of Christ could really understand that's the full gospel message. Yeah. We would be, empowered um, and kinder to ourselves, curious when things go wrong, more possibilities than problem thinking, because mm-hmm. that's, I think, is, is causes our, our own pain when we think in terms of problems, right? Absolutely. Wow. So what would you tell a person who is feeling, you know, they're, they're hearing your story and going, okay, I'm in a moment of suffering right now. What, what would you say to them? Mm. So many things, not knowing the specifics. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for a long time, I tried to perform for God and have the perfect feelings for God um, mm-hmm. to show him that I had learned and grown from the experience so I wouldn't have to do it again. Because mm-hmm. uh, we will play out with God what we play out with other people. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's how I was used to coping with my pain. I'll just be that's better. Right and more perfect and rely on myself. And I had this experience, which was another pivotal moment of, I totally broke down. I couldn't do it anymore. Um, That performance was completely failed me. Yeah. And heavy, heavy, exhausting. Gosh, exhausting. Yeah. And, you know, this will resonate with you and what, and how knowledgeable you are about the mind and body, but you know, I could feel it in my shoulder. Mm-hmm. It was having migraines constantly mm-hmm. um, because I was holding that pain in places. Mm-hmm. Got to go somewhere. It's like water. That's right. That's right. Um, and my body was where it chose to go when I wasn't paying attention to how I actually felt. And so mm-hmm. what I would, what, what I hope would be encouraging to a person, no matter where they are in their grief is invite God into the feelings you have instead of feelings for God. Get really honest. Come Um, on. Yes. Because he, he knows it, he can handle it. He honors it. He welcomes it. Um, and whether, you know, wherever you are, I think that as a starting place, um, and, and knowing that hope is not something, and this is a, this is challenging and something I still struggle with 
But knowing that hope doesn't come on the far side of a goal achieved or a dream realized, I think we often wait to feel hope. <laughs> um, yeah. Point earlier, we've got to practice it before we feel it. Um, Bang. Amen. And that is, you know, we can think and act our way to a new feeling. We cannot feel our way to a new Into way. a new doing. Yes, exactly. Amen. Yeah. It's faith. You have to. You don't have to feel it and have it tangible to go, this is what I'm going to take hope of. This yep. is what I'm going to Doesn't even make sense. And A plus B is not even close to C. But right. it's hope. It's in the unseen, right? A seen hope, no hope at all. So, wow. Yep. Exactly. And I, I think we see that in books like Lamentations in the Bible, where it gives such beautiful voice to grieving and gives such permission for those feelings that we're taught to keep behind, behind closed doors. Yeah. Um, and I love it in Lamentations 3 when the author says, but this I call to mind. And mm. it's a turning point in terms of how he's speaking. He's suddenly, his language is more hopeful. Um, it leans into God, but nothing changed in his situation. Um, he just he called, he recalled God's faithfulness, right. God's faithfulness in the past is our courage for now and our hope for the future. Um, and there's, we don't hope because of what we might receive. We hope because of who we receive. received. Amen. And that's, that's the promise we have. Okay. So on a practical note, closing, what are some practical things you do? to what has the Lord showed you things that you actually do in your days at journaling? What are the things you do to keep yourself knowing you are safe in trust with him? Mm -hmm. Even whether it's, it is for some people, I know for our listeners, they've learned how to move their body as a way yep. of you know, just processing whatever's stuck in their body, feeling it like knowing something's wrong, but not being able to express it. What things do you do? That's a great question. Um, one thing in recognizing that there's a difference between feelings being real and feelings being true, hmm. um, mm -hmm. having dialogue between the feeling and uh, what what truth I want to claim and speak to it, even okay. if that is really alive and well. And the important component there, um, I think journaling is great because it's it's tangible and it's kinesthetic. Mm -hmm. um, but speaking out loud. Yes. Oh, I usually have um, a bell. I'd be ringing right now. These are good. key. <laughs> These are really important. That That is part of also a neurogenesis. It's powerful. Yep. Words spoken. Exactly. Because our brain processes it differently when we hear it. Um, and also, we can think about a bunch of things at once. We mm. can only say one thing at once. So mm. it laser focused on what the truth is. And builds that neural pathway that you were talking about, mm -hmm. um, because the the brain goes where it knows. And so, mm -hmm. if there's no precedent for the truth, our brains are amazing and they're smart, but they're lazy. <laughs> yes, they conserve energy. Um, yeah, they, exactly. they're lazy very much. So they want to take the the. They do not want to go the road less traveled, and so we have to make the road less traveled a traveled road. Yeah. And so that would be one thing in terms of moving my body. I, I'm a walker. I, mm. uh, I am amazed. You know, I write, I usually write in the early morning. 
Mm-hmm. And then I'm walking with my boys or um, doing something outside. Yeah. And I'm amazed how that shakes loose new ideas, yeah. new new truth that I've been trying to grasp but can't quite hold on to. Yeah. Um, gives me perspective yeah. on a problem that's been really worrying me. Yeah. Um, and and I think there's bilateral stimulation in that yeah. too. You're, you know, using soothing, both rocking the brain, calming. Yeah, you can access those more implicit memory or thoughts or things that you didn't even know that were just embedded and unaccessed. Exactly. Um, anything bilateral stimulation wise, whether it's putting a little bit too much lotion in your hands and really mm-hmm. rubbing it in and using both hands to do that. It's cool. Um, is just, I mean, obviously these, these things don't solve any problems, Mm-mm. but I call them off ramps. Um, and, and that's a, a term we use in the model of therapy I use called restoration therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's an off ramp so that we can, we can talk to our brain in a way yeah. that it, if yeah. we're only flooded and activated, we can say the truth, but it may not have a spot to land. Mm. Um, we're buzzing around too much. So it calms the brain down mm-hmm. so it can hear. So good, right? We do. We receive it. This be still and know the peace that has to be there in order for us to actually absorb the information in a deeper level. I think for me, I know personally my story was as a as a someone who believed in Christ or would say, yeah, I'm a Christian. It was just words. It talk about words that were piled on me. I wasn't believing it. I wasn't saying it. I wasn't um, processing my own unbelief towards God, um, my feelings towards God, my hurts of my youth, like all the hangups that I came to Christ with, but it was really an invitation. When I knew the invitation was God's lap is big enough for this, like any, anything, his lap is big enough for it. And so, um, show up, show up however, and whenever, and, and, and then be diligent. I think that's, that's why I asked you, what are your practices? Like, what are the things, you know, you can't go a day without that kind of are the rhythms that help you um, draw close to the truth. And you gave us a few, any other ones that come to mind? You know, I think when you said rhythms, I think, um, trying it's, it's hard in some seasons. Sure. Listeners lives, I'm sure. Um, but you know, waking up at the same time every day, trying to go to bed at the same time every day, Yeah. yeah. Um, me reading fiction is really helpful because it's mm. so completely other to anything, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I love, you know, Christian nonfiction and um, I'm a therapist. So I tend to read a lot of psychology and spirituality. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and But sometimes it can get my brain going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so related to the work that I do. And so, um, giving yourself permission that there yes. is a pleasure and reading for pleasure, you know, that there's purpose. In, um, hey, man. Not, not just having to do something work related all the time. Okay. I've got, that was for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. That's, that's true. I love, I find myself wanting more information more. I just, but I think, and people ask me, do you read any fiction? And I really don't. I, I always, I feel like I should, I, if I'm going to read, I want to read the word of God or truth, you know, things that I can apply, but I have the more I sit with it. I think there's some gift there. Yes. Just the pleasure of going and letting your mind go. Mm-hmm. 
that I, 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 I've maybe resisted. So you just yeah. called me out on that. <laughs> All right. Um, You guys, again, the book is called From Lost to Found by Nicole Zazowski, giving up what you think you want for what will set you free. Nicole, thanks for being here. People can follow you in all the places. All the places. My website's Mm -hmm. NicoleZazowski.com. If you want to purchase the book, you can go there. Amazon. Amazon, you can get it. Um, There's a book trailer on my website if you want to know more. Um, and then Instagram, I hang out. I'm just at Nicole Zazowski and would love, love connecting with listeners and readers. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I have no doubt this is going to bless people's faces off and keep us posted. Are you writing another book? I am. It's due in about two months. So. Oh, God bless. Let's bless each other into that. I'm writing my, I'm writing my third right now too. And I'm like, okay. Oh, congratulations. <sighs> well, congratulations call. to you too. Do you like it? Do you enjoy writing books? I do. Um, it, uh, it is an angsty joy for me. I'll put it that way. <laughs> well, that's that whole thing of like, you're changing your brain and it requires, yes. it doesn't just like happen. You have to get over right. that and then it flows and goes. And exactly. It's a mystery of how, but all right. All right, you guys. Well, we'll stay tuned. Nicole, when the second one comes out, be sure we know about it. Thank you so much, friend.